you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Luke chapter 22, verse 14 Jesus would start off by saying, when the time came, Jesus sat down with his disciples and said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover with you. Let me just start off by saying, uh, thankful that the fast is over. (laughs) And uh, I'm glad to be with all of you guys uh, this morning. That's it. That's what I know. That is, uh, amen. Anyone else? Cool. Hey, um, Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this meal with you, and with all seriousness, Sunday mornings are one of my favorite moments of the whole week because um, I'm surrounded by so many people that the Lord has taught my heart to love and appreciate. And so I just want to say thank you. I'm so proud of our church and the way that many of you have responded through the fast, the 21 days that we just finished, and um, to see God grow in your hearts. Last night we were here, and man, it was just a heavenly experience that took place in this building last night. I don't know how to explain it any other than like the creativity and the team and so many different people and elements. Um, it was it was special. And um, what I'm believing that God's going to do in my life, um, I think he's just starting. And I'm, I'm believing that for you as well. And so um, you just need to know like if you weren't here last night, it's all good. We're having a service right now. We're hoping that God speaks to you in a special way. I want to talk about the call of God that's on your life today and what that looks like and how the process starts and uh, how beautiful it is. Jesus, would you all stand to your feet with me as we read this passage here in Luke 22. Today is Communion Sunday and Water Baptism Sunday and Town Hall. And uh, if you are going to leave service and you want to come back for Town Hall, everyone's open. We have box lunches for everyone. We're going to aim for 115 to start that meeting now. We'll see how that goes, right? Um, But Luke 22, for when the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down at the table together. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks for it. And he said, this, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink the wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And when he broke it into pieces, he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine, and he said, This is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is being poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the the pain that you went through to get to me, to redeem me, to wash me, to wash us, to cleanse us. Thank you, Lord, that you are here, and you've never stopped pursuing us. Would you help today, God, in Jesus' name? Amen. We're going to come back to this passage. I just wanted to remember or remind you that 
when Jesus said that I'm thankful to be able to meet, eat this meal with you, I'm thankful to be able to have this time where we can have communion together. Communion is a special thing, and anyone is welcome in our church to have communion with us. Uh, we practice open communion, which means as long as you believe that Jesus is Lord, um, you can be part of our family. Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul would say to make sure that you're right with God before you take communion. If you're not right with the Lord and your heart is not surrendered to him, I'd encourage you to just sit this one out. Does that make sense? Check your heart, and we'll get there before the service is over. But Jesus, in this passage, he often uses the word remember. As often as you do this, and as often as you guys get together, I want you to remember. And so, in light of the, how beautiful today is at the end of the 21-day fast, and it's a new chapter, a new beginnings in my life, it's good for us to look back. I don't know what it looks like for you to look back, but I love being in small groups. We're about to start small groups in a couple weeks here. And telling a story of when Jesus came into my life, listening to the story of how it happened for others when God pursued me. Some of us got away from the Lord, and he chased us back down. And his unfailing love never let us go, and it never let us go. And he kept telling you, I have a better way for you. I have a better way for you. I have a better way than you. If you would just stop and surrender, if you would just stop and surrender, if you would just stop and surrender. And I remember when God chased me down. And I remember there's probably six weeks I went to church in a row. The pastor would give an invitation for anyone who wanted to receive Jesus. And I remember the week I brought a friend and they put their hand up. I was so angry that they put their hand up that I put mine up too. And the pastor asked us if we'd come down and he'd pray over us. And I walked down to that down to the front, and it was like the hardest thing to get out of the chair. I was glued to the chair. But once I started walking, it was like I was being pulled. And I remember the feeling when he put his hand on my forehead and he prayed for me. And electricity shot through my body as the power of God touched my life for the first time. And I began to feel freedom. It's never again the same. I made a lot of stupid decisions after that day, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> the same day, <laughs> and the next day, the next day, but that day opened the door, Jesus said, if anyone would open the door, I'll come in, and I'll eat with him, and he will eat with me, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and I now, looking back, can remember all the times God was knocking and pursuing car accidents he saved me from. Bad situations and agreements he saved me from, bad relationships, when he, he always found a way to chase me down, the people he brought into my life. And I don't know your process, but looking back, it's wonderful to remember how God won our hearts, isn't it? And I can't speak for you. Probably I could. Nothing greater in my life has ever happened to me, but the day I met Jesus. Now, my wife is a big thing. I thank God for her. But I tell you what, if it wouldn't have been for the Lord, we'd be a mess. My kids are beautiful. I love them. But if it wouldn't be for the Lord, them kids, <laughs> you'd be on your own, Jack. I'll tell you right now, uh, the Lord has done so many things, and he's, he's been there, and he's been consistent, and he's provided so many times. It's good to remember, isn't it? And it's good to remember that I know now what love is, because not because someone else has loved me, but because I've never known a love like the way that he loved me. You know, when he laid his hands down on the cross, 
He said, my body was broken for you. There's no one that's ever been broken for me. There's no one that's ever been broken when they knew me and would still do what Jesus did for me. Never known a love like this before. And I say all that to say, it's interesting, the call of God, and how he finds us. And so I wanted to get into this message, and this message may take a little bit of time. I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're going to end back in this, in this journey of remembering and celebrating eating together. But I'm thankful today for all of those that are going to be baptized in water. There's some littles, there's some olds um, that are going to join us in the body of Christ. And I, I can also remember how now, having been a born-again believer for 22 years, how many times I've lost sight or rather understanding of what the call of God actually looks like. Because I remember my heart the day that he touched me. And I remember the way it was so beautiful that I would give anything for him. Do you remember that prayer that you prayed when your heart finally surrendered and you said, Lord, I'm all in? It's so funny how easy all in slips off the altar and we don't realize it. I'm going to take you to a, a crazy story that is actually, I'm going to end with Luke. I'm just going to read the whole chapter today. I, I, I was trying to just do a passage and maybe second service will only get a passage, but because you guys come to first service, I'm going to give you the whole kit and caboodle here today. Is that right? Uh, I don't really know what that means, but um, if it's wrong, I'm sorry. Um, the end of this passage in Luke 14 is going to end with this statement, and Jesus would say this often as he's doing teachings. Because I think that people, um, they fall in love with the glamorous parts of Jesus. You know, the healer the provider, the lover, but they seldomly will lean in on the real conversations. So as me and my wife have conversations sometimes, it's funny because she can say something and I just don't understand what she's saying. <laughs> Anyone else ever have this problem? I don't know. I'm just curious. But um, he, Jesus says this. He ends Luke 14 by saying, salt is as good as seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you know, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for soil nor for a manure pile. It is thrown away. And if anyone has ears, listen and understand what I'm saying. If you can hear me, he's saying, please listen. Now, that's where we end in this chapter. I'm going to take you to the beginning so you understand what's happening. Now, I'm going to read the first couple passages rather quickly because it's easy to follow along. So Jesus is going to start off hanging out with some, some leaders of what was then the local church, the Jewish church. Okay, So these are leaders in the church. How many leaders in our church do we have right now? You're, you lead a group. You lead a, a serve team. You lead somebody. You raise your hand. I want to thank God for all y'all. I mean, I'm talking, these are, Jesus hanging out with leaders who knew the word. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. People were watching as Jesus is eating dinner at this guy's house. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the religious law, is it permitted 
um, in the law to heal on the Sabbath day or not. When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the man, the sick man, and he healed him, and he sent him away. And when he turned to them, he said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or, 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 or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? They couldn't answer. What this passage is talking about here is um, Jesus healed someone, and they didn't like the way he healed them. I got to be honest with you, I was having a conversation this week with someone significant to me, and there's things that Jesus does in other churches, and I, I don't like the way that happened. I don't like the way that minister healed that guy or rebuked that, dev- that devil or I don't like the way they took up that offering or I don't like the way that... You ever have an opinion? You got an opinion. We pretend that we don't. Uh, but Jesus is going to do what he's going to do and he's going to bless people, whoever he wants to bless. Whether or not you like it or not, God's going to use people in different ways. And Jesus did a lot of things that I, I, I don't like that, Lord. And they didn't like that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. Sounds pretty stupid, but they didn't like it. Number seven, uh, there's a lot of things that I do that you don't like. <laughs> You'll get over it. When, uh, number seven, uh, when Jesus noticed that all who had come to dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to the wedding feast, don't, you sit, in the seat, don't, don't sit in the seat of honor. Um, what if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited and the host has to say to you, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed and you'll have to sit at whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. And then when the host sees you, he will come and say, hey friend, we have a better place for you. And then you'll be honored in front of all these guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Sounds wonderful, right? Now, this, this story is significant because he's sitting with people who are battling with wanting to be greater, sitting close to them. You know, I mean, there's a little frustration in the room. And he's trying to teach a lesson on humility, which is beautiful. Pride is one of the ugliest sins, and in America, it's hard to recognize it. I'm going to keep going. Then he, told, he turned to this host, and he said, When you have a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Now, there's not many people. Can I just brag about our youth pastor? I don't think she's here right now. You know, what? one of the things that our youth pastor did this year is when she had Thanksgiving with her family, she literally invited homeless people to come have Thanksgiving dinner with her. Isn't that rad? I love people like that. And, and, and this is really what it's about. Like sometimes we just, we, we invite people because we like them and we love them. But how about like just extending love to people? Oh man, that's the gospel. I love talking about people when they're not here. You know what I'm talking about? So when you don't come to church, know that I'm, <laughs> maybe a good story I say, may not be. We'll see. Uh, so he turned, he said, he put it on your luncheon and a banquet. And he said, don't invite your friends, your, your, uh, I'm sorry, for they'll invite you back and they'll have your own reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Now, this is what the Lord began to tell me this week that I was supposed to share with you all. What a good story. You know, there are all these people sitting around the table. They're like, yeah, that's great. We're going to do that, Jesus. That's good. And then this guy comes out and says, wonderful. He says, like, hearing this, the man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet 
in the kingdom of God. Don't you think that's true? What a blessing it'll be when we all sit down together in heaven at the lambs, the, the, the supper lamb, lamb, help me someone. Supper of the lamb. I'm, I'm, my mind's all my scrambled right now. Um, it'll be beautiful when we have that. I mean, I love food. Can you imagine having turkey with Jesus? Like, it's going to be seasoned. Like, you've never just, <laughs> praise the Lord, the fast is over. <laughs> Anyways, what a blessing it will be. Now, for some reason, Jesus is sitting with this company, and he hears this, and I imagine that he takes a long pause here. Because he didn't like what he said. Kind of turned him off. He didn't, the description doesn't say that. Listen to the story he's going to tell. Jesus' stories are significant. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field, and I'm, I must inspect it. Please just excuse me from the banquet. And another said, I just bought five oxen, and I want to try them out. Would you please excuse me? And another said, I now have a wife, so, you know, can't make it. What Jesus is saying is, having been the Lord, he recognizes that he's calling out to a lot of people. In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that this is actually a problem, a burden that the Lord has, that he's often looking throughout the earth for someone that is willing to obey him, someone that is willing to go for him, someone that is willing to come and do the things required. But what happens is, there's so many of us within the body of Christ that once promotion in our life and the Lord is actually blessing us and the problem is that the blessing oftentimes that the Lord gives us even as Americans becomes a curse because it's separating you from the things that God is calling you to do maybe I'm reading this differently but all these things that these people that the Lord had reached out to were wonderful just got field just got oxen just got married I mean it's wonderful but it's not wonderful when you, when you don't hear God's calling on your life and recognize that there is nothing else that's more important than this. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, like, like it's wonderful that, that I, I've seen so many people when they get married that they, they, they want to start going to church together or, or they have a baby and they're like, you know what, we need to get our kid to church because this is wonderful. This is definitely from the Lord. We get a job and we thank God for it. But what happens is you need the Lord the whole time to maintain that relationship, that job, those kids. It's, it's not about one moment's notice. It's about the whole process. And so, like, don't let what God blessed you with become an instrument of, of bondage. So here's what the Lord had to do to the people of Israel. He's sitting with leaders in the church, and he tells this story. This is, this is what is answering. And he said, then the servant returned. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master, what have they said? The, his master was furious and, and said, now go quickly to the streets and the alleys and turn and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant had done this, and he reported, there is still room, uh, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house 
will be full. You hear the heart of God? This is the Great Commission. What God's saying is, I started with Sunday school people, but they wouldn't do anything. So now we got to read outside the church because the people in the church won't answer the call of God. So we want to bring raise up more people. we got to go out and get others to come in because we want the house full. We want heaven populated. We want everyone to know the Lord. And so, and then he said, go further. Go further. Go. This is a great commission. I'm so grateful. I think we have like 25 people signed up to go to Guatemala here next month. It's going to be pumped. Man, we're going to go down there. We're going to going to be super rad. We're going to be kissing babies and all that wonderful stuff. It's going to be great. And um, I'm weird. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you are new. The problem that Jesus is having in this is that he's, he's, tr- he's talking to Israel and Israel won't answer. So he's inviting now the Gentiles to come. So but what happens when we're the Gentiles, we're the bride of Christ, we're, the, we're his beloved, and he's calling to us, and promotion is happening in our life, and we're too busy to answer the call of God that he's trying and to set the assignments in our life for a growth and development. Does that make sense? And their answer, it was really funny because it came out of the question. The guy was like, it's going to be so beautiful when we eat together in heaven. And Jesus is like, Well, not if you're not there. Because I'm calling out to you, and you're not answering, and so we're going to find other people to take your place. Maybe I'm reading this differently. But I, what we're trying to do is here in January, we've been doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and the purpose of it wasn't fasting. It was obedience. We're trying to get to the point where in our life, when we surrender to the Lord, we recognize that his will for our life is better than our understanding of what we think is good for our life. And learning to surrender to that comes all kinds of wonderful blessings. The blockages in our heart freeze up. We start loving people in a more genuine way. We start realizing, man, I've been looking at that person all wrong. Like, and, and, and we're just learning obedience. Instead, some are saying, you know, I just don't have time to do that. And I don't want anything to get in my way from what the Lord is calling me to do. Amen? So here's what's weird. This conversation starts at a table with leaders. But he's going to finish this conversation in another setting. Watch this. Uh, For none of those that I first invited to the banquet will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. That's what he said there in verse 24. Did you see that? Go out in all the countries and, and, and the hedges and urge anyone you find to come to the house so it'll be full. For none that I first invite it will get even the smallest taste from my banquet. And then he said in verse 25, a large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, let me stop there. This um, passage um, has become, over the last two years, my life verse. Um, It's become the most difficult thing that I've heard Jesus say in any specific passage. And I find it to be the most sincere and genuine thing that Jesus is trying to communicate to us. If you ever have a heart-to-heart with someone and it just means so much and that person's just not understanding it, that's why he ends with like, If you have ears, I need you to hear this. 
So he's talking about the banquet and how he's sending out an invitation to people who are not coming. So he's extending it to other people. And in this path, the vision of our church is to make disciples. Disciples are someone that's a student of Jesus. Jesus. They love him, they follow him, and they want to become like him. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus is going to say three things that every disciple must do if you are following Jesus. Now, please understand that the, the gate is narrow and, and that leads to life. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many will enter it and few will enter through the narrow gate. Following Jesus sincerely is not easy. But it is wonderful. But it, it is difficult. And so in this passage, I find this to be the most sobering and wonderful thing that the Lord has spoken over my life. And I believe over our church. And I think that the Lord had to wait until our fast was over for me to release it in a way that we'll be able to hear it. Does that make sense? So if you can lean in on this, I think it'll be special. There's three things that every disciple must do. And then we'll take communion. So the first thing is, he turned and he said to the large crowd, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. You must hate everyone else by comparison, your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brother and your sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. I want you to hear that because I don't want to like hide any scripture from you or get you into something where you're like, hey, where's, what's your church about? Our church is about following Jesus, period. And the reality is, if you love anyone more than Jesus, it's not going to be long before that person becomes an idol. And so what happens, the problem is, you're going to love that person by your standard, and you're going to try to do all these things, but when you're having difficulty in that, then you're going to turn to the Lord. And then what happens is you're going to find out as you turn to Him that you were doing it all wrong, and it has to be Him first. It's always got to be Him first. And so in any relationship, there is no relationship that we want to enter into. That It's like, I, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore where it's like um, uh, the, the Bread Sox movie. What's it called? Um, Fever Pitch. Thank you. Yeah. Like, he's like, I, uh, I'm a really nice guy. I really want to date you, but I've got this thing. I, I love baseball. And she's like, yeah, it's cool. You know, and he's like, <laughs> you don't know yet. Um, what, what you don't want, you don't want to enter into something with someone realizing that they love something else more. But you do want to enter into a relationship. I'm talking to everyone who's single right now. You do want to enter into a relationship with someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. Because that love will protect their love for you. It becomes the foundation to which your relationship can be built on. It becomes truth when everything is misunderstood. Because when you can't understand each other, he'll tell you plain as day what's going on, you know? And normally he'll tell you you're the problem. I love in that thing that they said, you guys don't have a problem in the, in the, in the video. You, you are the problem, you know what I mean? Like, and so, and that's what the Lord would say to you. I don't know if you know this yet, but so you, he says, you have to love me more than your parents. You must love me more than your children. And I can't tell you how many times I see it in the body of Christ when parents make idols of their children. And then they grow up and turn 18 and you don't know what happened. They became adults. They don't want to like be your best friend anymore. They want someone else to be their best friend. And you know how you feel all betrayed. 
Listen, all along, he's number one in your life, and you're going to have to let him go at some point. You start by doing it on the altar, like Abraham did with Isaac. You give him to God, who you love more. I'm just trying to be real. You must hate everyone by comparison if you want to follow me. The second thing you must do is if, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Man, this is brutal. What he's basically saying is, um, I knew it was going to be hard what the Father asked of me to do for you. I carried my cross for you. You're going to have a cross that you're going to have to carry for me. There's going to be a lot of things in life that the Lord's going to put you in uncomfortable positions, and he's not letting you leave that uncomfortable position for a long time. This is your cross, and you're going to carry it. In fact, you're going to carry it daily. There's going to be a, a lot of situations that you come in because your life now, the truth is, when you fall in love with the Lord, you realize that your life is no longer about you. It's about Him. And everything we do, we do to glorify the Lord. And so there's going to be a lot of times where the Lord's going to say, it's not about you. I read a really great book years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. And the first chapter of the book is the best, man. The first, the first couple words, right? I'm like, I'm getting into this. I'm going to learn so much. I don't think I learned anything else after like the first page. I didn't like it. I closed that book. This book's stupid. It's, and I realized how true it was. And I'm like, well, this guy, the first book, right? 40 days, I'm going after it. First page, it's not about you. I don't understand. This is about me making my life better. Yep. It's not about you. Jesus demonstrated a life of washing feet. I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom. I realize why being a father is so wonderful, not because my kids do all these extravagant things for me, because it's the greatest opportunity for me to serve and humble myself and do dishes and clean up throw up and all the other stuff that comes with being a parent. That's gloriously wonderful. If you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to die to yourself and carry the cross daily. You understand that? Then he tells a story. I'm running out of time. He tells two stories. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. It's really funny that this is happening. What really bothers me about this, I've read this about 8,000 times this year. It bothers me that Jesus started at a table with Pharisees explaining that he's calling them and they're not answering, so he's going to call others. And then there's a big crowd of people that finally arrive, and you would think that this excites Jesus. Like, Jesus, there's thousands of people here. All these people want to follow you. Here's the good news. Guy will want to follow. Here we go. This is the game plan. Hate everyone <laughs> if you, unless, uh, uh, in comparison to your love for me. He's not telling you to hate anyone. Okay, I exaggerate. He's saying, love me. He's saying, if you don't die to yourself, you're not getting it. This is, these are not motivational speeches. He says this um, uh, in verse 28, don't begin until you count the cost. Don't follow me until you count the cost. For who would begin the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might, completely, uh, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. And they would say, there is that person who started that building but couldn't afford to finish it. 
Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss with his army the 10,000 that could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he'll send a delegate to discuss terms of peace with the enemy that is still far away. What he's saying is, if you really want to follow me, which is what your heart said years ago when you surrendered your Lord, your, your heart to him, I want you to think about where your life is going and where it's going to go best. And I want you to know that I'm going to lead you into some uncomfortable things. And I'm going to require some things that are not going to be easy for you. And you can decide whether you want to do it your way or you want to do it my way. But there is no other option. I think that's wonderful. Count the cost. Here's the last thing he says. And then Miss Brandy's going to come and serve y'all communion. And Miss Deb or Rachel is going to come and play. Verse 33, so you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. What? This is not cool, but I got to tell you, he says this multiple times in Scripture, where people would come up to Jesus and say, hey, what do we got to do to follow you? And he'd say, go home and sell everything. And in this story, it's really funny that when he was with the Pharisees and he's at the table and he's talking about how their life is, they're, they're finding promotion. And they can't do the things that God's calling them to do because everything's good. And I just realize in my life as an American, I, I, I'm attracted to shiny new things. But those things can be good as long as my heart stays steadfast on what is great. I'm going to have communion come, and Deb and Rich, I'm going to have you guys uh, play here in a minute. And um, I'm pumped that today, that this is the best motivational sermon I think I can throw your way here. I'm recognizing that there are several people that are answering the call of Jesus today on their life to be baptized. Um, The only thing that I know that I want you to be aware of is that surrendering to the Lord has been wonderful because he first surrendered for me. He literally laid his life down. And the love of God has healed me on countless occasions. And I can only tell you that there's a call of God on your life And I don't know if there are people in your life that you've loved more than him or value more than him or if there are objects in your life that you love more than him or there's opportunity that you're looking for more than him. But you're only following the Lord if you're not leading. This is about obedience. So much so that Jesus taught us Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He prayed on the cross. So many things that Jesus would have mimicked and and showed us in his surrender to the Father. It was good for me to see. And ultimately, we see the beauty in his resurrection. The power of God the glory of God 
Jesus, I'm thankful that you died for me. 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 I'm thankful that you never stopped pursuing me. I'm thankful, God, that you saved me from that accident. I'm thankful that you brought those people into my life. I'm thankful that you saved me from those relationships. I'm thankful, God, that I'm still here. I'm thankful that I have another day. I'm thankful that you're with me. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're with me. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.